Hello, everyone, and welcome to another America's Conservative Podcast. I am your host, Ed Denzel. It's Friday. You made it. You should be very happy about that. I'm happy it's Friday because I have a new episode of my other program, Unfound, coming out today. Hopefully, you can find it. You'll look for it. You'll listen to it. Uh, This week, I am talking to a guy. I'm not covering technically a missing persons case this week. I'm talking to a guy who went from being just a regular person to becoming one of the most well-known forensic artists in the United States and has actually had success uh, drawing dead people, people who are unidentified remains. He takes a picture of the person and brings that person back to life through drawings and trying to help Uh, get an accurate idea of what the person looked like when he or she was still alive. And doing that, he has been successful in solving at least a a few missing persons cases out there. So they matched up the missing person with the the unidentified remains with the help of this guy. His name's Carl Koppelman. Koppelman. Carl Koppelman. Good guy. Really enjoyed the interview. And he is definitely proof that You don't need to be somebody in law enforcement. You don't need to be a private detective. You don't need any special law enforcement investigative skills to be able to solve mysteries in the world. Just have to take those talents and skills that you personally have and put them to your best use. And he's done that, and I really enjoyed talking to him. So uh, it's going to be out uh, about 2.30, 3 o'clock today is is when the, uh, maybe before that, uh, the program will be posted. So I hope you'll check that out. You can find it on Podomatic, and then later tonight you will be able to find it on iTunes. Of course, you're listening to this on Red State Talk Radio at 9 p.m. tonight. Then the program, the episode, is already out. So there you go. Really enjoyed it. Uh, And we'll get back to covering uh, a new missing persons case next week. And I already know what that one's going to be, and, it, and it's, a, it's a very interesting one, and hopefully the listeners will be able to help this family out. So let's get right to it. I was having a discussion – well, let's put it this way. Um, Neil Gorsuch, that's – this. I think that this entire topic of Neil Gorsuch, the, the Senate – and Donald Trump, and what is actually going on, and who said what, and what's is there a master plan, or are they just stupid? This is going to continue to be a topic in political circles, on podcasts, on political shows, until Neil Gorsuch gets confirm, confirmed or gets denied. No doubt about that. And then once he becomes, if he becomes a Supreme Court justice, then it's going to go to what I've been talking to all of you, you about is Trump going to be comfortable with a justice he appointed who rules against what Trump wants once in a while. That is going to be good humor. I, I've convinced myself of that. Of really, really because Trump can't control himself. He can't control his fingers or his mouth. And I am sure if Neil Gorsuch is an independent justice, and I'm not saying that, uh, you know, you have to, I want to make a point about something, is that I'm sure if Neil Gorsuch gets confirmed and he's on the bench for the next 25 years, 
he is going to make some decisions, and if I live that long, that I'm not going to like, that conservatives aren't going to like. I can guarantee you that. That is going to happen. That's just the way it goes. I also kind of, I think, know, and I, I know that you're not going to be able to believe this, but I would even say in the next four years, if Neil, Neil Gorsuch, I never know, Gorsuch or Gorsuch, Gorsuch gets confirmed that he is going to make a decision that I'm not going to like, that Donald Trump is not going to like, that I'm not, and I'm going to agree with Donald Trump. There's, I have, I'm pretty sure that. So don't, I don't want you to get the idea that listening to this, that you think that I'm always going to agree with the Supreme Court justice and disagree with Donald Trump because I was a never Trumper and I'm critical of him. That's not the case. I hope you don't think I'm like that. I think probably in the next four years, there's going to be at least one decision where the administration is not going to like the decision and I'm not going to like it either. And we're going to be looking at Neil Gorsuch and saying, why did he do that? It's going to happen. So I want before I get any further into this, I want you to know that. All right. I want you to know that. I'm not going to be. Uh, you, you know, hey, Neil Gorsuch isn't paying me to support him. I'm not paying, getting paid to be his lackey. I, I, he looks like a decent pick. I guess we'll find out. You don't know. He looks great on paper, but you don't know until the game is actually played. But regarding everything that has gone on in the last few days... The, the most bizarre story of all of this is that there is some master plan here that uh, Neil Gorsuch went into that meeting with Richard Blumenthal and other senators and did that on purpose so as to, you know, cozy himself up to those senators and, and kind of um, dis- distance himself from Donald Trump. And that was part of some plan that he that he and Donald Trump put together because of the fear that Neil Gorsuch is going to have a problem getting through the Senate. That is actually a, a real story out there. In fact, uh, it was my friend Dave who, you know, as I've told you, I don't listen to the rest of talk radio or any other conservative podcasts out there. I don't do that. I don't have the time. Uh, and in addition, I don't want to rip off other people's ideas and rip off other people's shtick subconsciously. All right? I would never do it consciously, but sometimes things get into our subconscious, words we use, phrases, ideas, just you don't even realize it. And so I try to block that out as much as possible. What I, the, the idea, though, I do get from going to all of the conservative sites that I do, because I have to get my news somewhere, is that this is, this is a thing. <laughs> that there are people out there making this idea up. That this is a plan between Neil Gorsuch and Donald Trump to make it easier for him to get to confirmed. And the way you do that is he distances himself from Donald Trump. And it's my buddy Dave who told me that he's been listening to – he's had some time to listen to talk radio. And hosts are talking about that. That's the only reason I even know about it because somebody tells me about it. 
I can't, I can't believe, see, this is, this is how far conservative media has fallen. This is how far. Why do they feel that they have to rationalize all of this? Why can't they just say that Neil Gorsuch said something? Now, the story coming out, you should know, that the story coming out this morning from Neil Gorsuch's spokesman is that, well, you know, um, he wasn't talking about Trump's words, the criticism that he's levied against that nice circuit court judge specifically. He was just, Neil Gorsuch, uh, Judge Gorsuch was just talking about the criticism of the justice system in general. You talk about uh, trying to thread, uh, you know, trying to get the eye, you know, where's the, the great analogy? Trying to put the thread right through the eye of the needle, trying to be so precise, trying to be so specific. So I guess then we're just supposed to believe it's a coincidence that... Trump criticizes the Ninth Circuit Court judge, and then Neil Gorsuch, right around the same, right after that, says it's disheartening that the judiciary gets attacked. It's disheartening. Let me get the words right. I have them in my notes. Hold on, hold on, just a, just a second. Disheartening, disheartening, and demoralizing that there is criticism of the ju- the judicial system out there. Just a coincidence, I guess. Just a coincidence. Now, you need to remember something else. And, of course, Donald Trump has come out there and made fun of Richard Blumenthal and his lies about serving in Vietnam. The problem is that Richard Blumenthal was not the only person in the room when Gorsuch said this. Ben Sass, I think that's not sassy, Ben Sass was in the room as well, and he heard it. And he know, he, he's come out, and, and Neil Gorsuch said exactly what we all think. The Gorsuch was criticizing Trump's words specifically. But, but the reason the spokesman, Neil Gorsuch's spokesman, is coming out this morning or yesterday, late afternoon, late yesterday and today is because there is a, I guess there's a fear that Trump might pull his nomination because of this. And he's trying to smooth everything out. So, How does that, for all of you that were thinking that this was some sort of master plan, how does this all fall into your master plan? This is, this is, you know, this shouldn't surprise me because Donald Trump embraces conspiracy theories. Remember what he said about George W. Bush and 9-11, Ted Cruz's dad and JFK, the birth certificate with Barack Obama. And so now we have conservatives buying into conspiracy theories of a guy who also believes in conspiracy theories. Well, this is some conspiracy. There's some master plan. There's, you just don't know what's going on. It just can't. Surely it can't be what we all see. Yeah. It is embarrassing. I am so embarrassed by this. Why can't people just take it for what it is? I was reading uh, something uh, in, uh, was it the Washington Post or New York Times somewhere? And I know I'm not supposed to be reading those. Yeah, I know. But 
portraying Donald Trump. Everybody thinks that Donald Trump doesn't have any plans in his campaign, but look, when it came to the election, he won it. So it's not so easy to dismiss that these people don't know what they're doing. Yeah, they lost by 3,000 votes to probably the worst presidential uh, candidate in the history of the country. That's how much they know what they're doing. That's how much. So let's not get too crazy about the craftiness of Donald Trump. Mm. That's it's the exact reason these liberals say, well, the Russians hacked this election and allowed Trump to win. Well, if they really, really, really wanted to hack it, wouldn't they have given Donald Trump more of the popular vote than Hillary Clinton? You know, just to make it safe. If they really love, love, love Donald Trump, why don't why didn't they just allow him to win by four million, five million of the popular vote instead of causing him to lose by three million and create a huge controversy that's going to hang over his presidency for the next four years? Why would they do that if they really, really, really love, love, love him? <laughs> you know. It's just But once again, when you get somebody like Donald Trump involved in the process, maybe these stories shouldn't be a surprise. He loves conspiracy theories. He will embrace them for as long as it's convenient for him. And then he'll ditch them when they're not convenient, and then he'll go back to them when they are convenient. He'll just go all around around the way regarding this. Regarding any topic, it seems. Political topic, conspiracy topic, whatever. And in fact, you even heard, and maybe we'll get to it, he's even now embracing, talk to the president of China. Oh, forget about that Taiwan thing. I believe in one, the one China policy. So, it's just embarrassing to me, once again, getting back to conservatives. We are the people who... Don't do this stuff. We don't rationalize this stuff away. Unfortunately, you know when this got – I think that when conservatives started to become comfortable with this was during Barack Obama's presidency, specifically in the first term while you know everybody's trying to figure out, is he trying to destroy the United States or is he just inept? And that was when I was back listening to talk radio, and I can remember specifically Rush Limbaugh saying telling everybody this is a master plan to destroy the United States. No it wasn't. No it wasn't. It's just uh liberals enacting liberal policy, which is neither. They believe it works. They believe it works. They don't believe it's going to destroy the United States. They actually believe it's going to make it better. Even though there's all proof out there that it won't, they believe it anyway. Well, that's not ineptitude. That's not a conspiracy. That's not necessarily on purpose. They're just enacting liberal policies that don't work. But they think they do. It doesn't matter what we think about it. It only matters what Barack Obama, Nancy Pelosi, Harry Reid thought about it. And they think it works. Even though we think they're crazy for them thinking that. It doesn't matter what we think. It only matters what they think. 
But we got into this conspiracy thinking stuff back in those days because, once again, too many conservative members couldn't talk to you like I talk to you. Because you wanted to believe that Barack Obama wants to destroy the United States. Well, how how'd he do? Uh, I would say that if he was trying to destroy the United States, he failed. I think. Granted, we have Obamacare. Got to deal with that. We got a lot of things to deal with. But he didn't destroy it. And he gave it his best shot. Executive orders and everything. We, he had a, uh, a, a allegedly a, a Republican Congress that would just give him everything that he wanted. Remember how you were all told that? Remember? He's going to destroy the United States. The Republicans are going to go along with him. Well, here we are in 2017, and a Republican just won the White House. Did, did Barack Obama succeed in destroying the United States, even though he— you were told for all those years with John Boehner and Mitch McConnell, they were just laying down to him. Didn't happen. I'm telling you, you were being lied to. Rush and all those people were lying to you. They're trying to get you fired up for no good reason. I don't know what else to tell you. And, and don't get me wrong. I, at the time, bought into it too. I woke up. You can be a conservative and believe in limited government and be pro-life, pro-gun and everything and also believe that liberals aren't on purpose trying to destroy the United States. They're just trying to enact policies that don't work. There is a difference. But because that kind of conspiracy thinking started, I think, in the Barack Obama years, it's now carried over to the Donald Trump years, where now more conservatives are open to it, and now they're open to it when they believe it's going to help them. And this is, I think, why this Neil Gorsuch, on purpose, said that about Donald Trump, and they got behind the scenes to do this. No self-respecting man who made it to that level in his career would take part in something like that. Donald Trump might, because he's a scoundrel. A judge who has written all these uh, things would not do that. But you want to believe it, so you can make Donald Trump out to be the, the, the most cleverest schemer who ever inhabited the White House. All for your own ego. All because you voted for him. When the facts are just what the story is, is what the story is. Neil Gorsuch was there. He was asked about the words of Donald Trump, and he said they were disheartening and demoralizing. I agree with him. I believe that came from the heart. Now, he's getting crap for it. He's getting crap for it. From all different circles. Laura Ingram... And the rest. And in fact, it was Donald Trump who said, I don't even believe he said it. Well, now it's pretty obviously that he did because his spokesman came out and said that Neil Gorsuch said that. But now a day later, the spokesman says, well, he said it, but. And it's all because Donald Trump has is petty. He's very thin skinned. And frankly, he is the one – it's Donald Trump who put Neil Gorsuch in a very difficult position. 
It's not Neil Gorsuch who stepped in it. It was Donald Trump, by not being able to keep his fingers off his Twitter account, that put his nominee in a very difficult position when he went in to talk to these uh, senators. Now, I know what Donald Trump expects. He expected Neil Gorsuch to go in there, and if that question popped up, he expected Neil Gorsuch to defend the president. Guess what? That's not a justice that's not a judge's job. It's not. If it was Donald Trump's attorney general, Jeff Sessions might be. If it was his new health and what is the health and human services secretary, Tom Price, could be. Then that would make at least a little bit more sense. But this is a judge who could be the next justice. And does he really want to be seen as somebody who is going to go along with a president who is criticizing the judicial branch of the United States and the judicial system of the United States, whether it's right or wrong, whether that Ninth Circuit Court judge was in his right or wrong in his uh, decision? And see, that's a whole other point uh, that I think I want to make in all of this. I, I guess I guess what all these conservatives want who you know support Donald Trump and continue to be his lapdogs is they just want anybody to defend him at anything, no matter what he does. I, I don't know how these people live with themselves. I don't know. It's embarrassing. I, I I'm sure if you could see me, I'm just shrugging my shoulders. Now, there's another point. So there, there is no master plan here. There is no master plan. Going back to the election. Well, look, you knew what he was doing there. They didn't think they were going to win. Or have you forgotten all those stories? They didn't think he was, they were going to win, but they did. Awesome for them. I know you all want to believe that he's just spinning these people left and right and everything. If that is the case, then why does he have a guy like Sean Spicer out there? If he's so smart. This gets back to the the George W. Bush days when liberals couldn't figure out, is he a mastermind of 9-11 or is he a doofus who who can't pronounce words correctly? That's what the entire George W. Bush years were. On one hand, they'd make him out to be the the best schemer in the world. On the other hand, he was the biggest doofus because he said nuclear instead of nuclear. I just wish they'd pick one. Pick one and just go with it. With me, I don't think there is – with Donald Trump, to me, there is no master plan in any of this. I think that he and his people are – not the most uh, organized, and I think that this is something that's going to continue to show up more and more and more. And if he happens, you know, it's going to be one of those things. If something happens to go right, Donald Trump is the the smartest guy in the world. Just happens to get what he wants. He's the smartest guy in the world. But if he doesn't get what he wants, oh, they must have gotten in the way. Because remember, Donald Trump's the the best schemer in the world. It must have been some conspiracy that stopped him. Must have been this. Must have been that. Must have been uh, Paul Ryan that got in the way. 
It couldn't be that Donald Trump's just making mistakes. And his administration, the rest of his administration, are just making mistakes. Now, regarding, now, having said all that, I want you to know that I do believe that Donald Trump had the constitutional power to do what he did with his executive order. I think I've already said this, but I'm going to say it again. I think he did have the constitutional authority to uh, enact what he did. Do I believe that the nice cir- circuit court judge is wrong? I do. I'm no constitutional scholar, but I, but I believe the decision is wrong. And I know there was another ruling yesterday where a three-judge panel also decided that the executive order was illegal, unconstitutional. Uh, I also believe that that's wrong as well. My problem is that in my world, constitutional doesn't mean good. There are many constitutional things that can be done that I wouldn't recommend. And my standard regarding at least border security is that is what he enacted or any president enacted, would it actually stop the problems that have happened? Would it stop the attacks that have happened? The answer to that is no. So why bother? Why bother? Well, you have to start somewhere. Well, how about we start with what works first? How about we start with which would actually would have stopped some of these people? Now, and I understand that in some of these cases, uh, in, in these cases, it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with border security. And there, that's part of the problem as well. This is, once again, why I'm not as big a border hawk as a lot of other conservatives you're going to listen to. There is no proof that somebody has snuck into this country, snuck, love that word, sneaked, snuck into this country to commit a terrorist act. All these people were here uh, for one reason or another. In fact, a couple of them were actually American citizens. What are you going to do? I'm not saying that you can't do something about it. And in fact, we now know all after the fact there were plenty of signs that these people were dangerous. Got ignored. That has nothing to do with border security, has nothing to do with the executive orders, has nothing to do with a Ninth Circuit judge or a three-judge panel or anything else. That has to do with people not doing their jobs. I think uh, the other reason I don't like this executive order is because it's clear to me and we talked about this when it happened, is he just signed it, did not get a lot of input from uh, his head of Homeland Security, from the Defense Department, from border, any other border officials, just went and did it. And that's why you had all these problems at these airports, these people showing up here, and they, co- they weren't allowed to pass through. And once again, I happen to say, these people are coming from some hell holes. Being stuck in an American airport isn't the, the, ba- the worst thing in the world. <laughs> you got clean water. You got bathrooms. You got food. <laughs> you got air conditioning. You got heating. You got chairs. You got nice carpeted floors. You got TVs. You got Wi-Fi service. You got free electricity. What the heck you want? <laughs> in fact, I thought maybe I'll go live at the airport. 
So let's not get too crazy regarding all this. I know these people had come to the United, came to the United States with expectations. But to me, that kind of executive order and what went on with it and, and the confusion and the disarray is a symbol of Donald Trump's presidency, not he and Neil Gorsuch and whoever else, Steve Bannon, Rance Priebus. I keep saying Rance. Is it Rance? I have no idea. I keep saying Rance. I think I'm just taking a shortcut on his name. Rance Priebus. All getting together in a room and saying, hey, Neil, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go see Richard Blumenthal, you know, that guy who lied about Vietnam. You're going to go in here, and here's what you're going to say about uh, what Donald, what President Trump said about this Ninth Circuit to church. And that's going to be – we're going to have this thing where you're going to look like you're distancing him, yourself from Donald Trump. Now, I ask you, can you really see that happening? Richard Nixon couldn't have come up with something, a, a defense, an explanation so convoluted. But, and see, it's this kind of rationalization that is going to continue to drag down conservatives and the conservative movement in the country. The problem is that the people who think like I do are in a minority. Myself. The guys and I guess women at Commentary Magazine, the men and women at National Review and other places, we are in a minority. Everybody is bought in. You know, it's uh, what was uh, there is an excellent Star Trek Voyager episode that you should check out. It's called Bliss, where the the crew of the Voyager is convinced they're entering a wormhole that's going to take them to Earth. They're absolutely convinced of it, even though there are signs that the wormhole isn't exactly what it is. Well, Seven of Nine, because she doesn't want to go back to Earth, she notices that it's not a wormhole, but it's some creature that is sucking Voyager in that's going to eat Voyager. And she has to figure out how to change the crew's minds, and she has to use the Doctor to do it. I feel like Seven of Nine and the Doctor right now, and most of other conservatives are like the crew of the Voyager who have deluded themselves about where we're headed. I got to go to the break. You've been listening to America's Conservative Podcast. The voice of American conservatism. WRS Digital. Red State Talk Radio. And we are back at America's Conservative Podcast. Let's move on to something else. Uh, I mentioned the, the One China policy. Donald Trump had a conversation with the president of China, and Donald Trump seemingly has reversed himself. We'll see how that goes. He's he's come a long way since taking that phone call from the president of Taiwan, the leader of Taiwan, and getting in trouble with China, hasn't he? We've been told that the conversation that Trump had with the president of China was very cordial, very nice. Then I guess nothing regarding trade came up. I'm here to tell you something, I, I, and I know all of you who are really, really banking on this don't want to hear this. This trade, this trade barrier stuff is not going to happen. It's, I don't, I, I, it's maybe a threat. I don't know in what form it's going to end up being. I have no idea. But you, are, I think, are banking on the wrong thing. 
regarding this. Uh, I, I will continue to talk about it as issues of, regarding this topic come up because I'm not going to you know, totally ignore what's going on out there. And if Donald Trump comes out and says something about how isolationism and protectionism are so great, I'm going to tell you why that's not the case. I just hope all of you aren't getting your hopes too high. Me, I'll be fine either way, as, as is usually the case with mostly all of these topics. No matter which way it goes, I'm going to figure out a way to just continue living my life. I don't pin hopes on stuff like this. The problem, and this is the tragedy of politics in general, and not just Donald Trump, is that people pin their hopes too highly on all of this stuff. This is what drives me nuts about the people I see on my feed who you know, live day to day posting stuff. People who generally otherwise don't follow politics just hoping, 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 or hating, 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 hating. You know, I, I and, and being so public with it. You know, they don't have a show. They don't study the topics like I do for this program. But they, their hopes and dreams and future are riding so much on what Donald Trump's going to do and what the president of China is going to do. And I have to tell you, I mean, I've been inconvenienced as much as anybody by Obamacare. For, uh, absolutely, because I ha- have my own health insurance, which I love because it's really helped me out the last week plus, given my asthma. But uh, I- I've been inconvenienced as much as anybody with my finances, with having to change doctors and plans and everything else. But I'll live. I'll figure, I'll figure it out. I'll do something. I'll figure it out. My hopes and dreams do not have anything to do with the people in Washington, D.C. The problem is, is that Donald Trump and others portray themselves as that they are going to fix people's problems. They're not. We deserve to have a conservative country because that is the right way to live. That doesn't mean it's going to solve everybody's problems. It's not. It's just the best way. And the reason it's not going to solve everybody's problems is because people are flawed. People are lazy. People are egotistical. They're arrogant. They think they know things and they don't. They make bad choices. And none of that has anything to do with government. So don't pin your hopes too high on protectionism. I do want to get to something else. And this is... This is one more reason that I think that there is no grand scheme here, that I think it's just – it seems like just a bunch of people in the executive branch kind of fumbling around. Now, what got attention from this exchange was something else, but it was James Lilax who – at ricochet.com who noticed something very peculiar about the exchange that should concern you. That's way more concerning to me than what Donald Trump said. And this had to do with asset forfeiture. <coughs> asset forfeiture has been a part, has been, I th- to me, a well-known topic in the United States. I'm going to say it became probably in vogue in the 1990s. 
I'm not necessarily going to say that it started then, but I think that's when people, I thought, started to become aware of it. And in fact, I can remember on, remember the show The Shield with Michael Chiklis, remember? The guy who played the commission. Remember that show? It's about those crooked cops in L.A. That's probably the last primetime show that I made it a point to watch every week. Loved that show. Loved it. And that was going on. That show was going on when I worked at Star Trek. So early 2000s. They had a major plot line for, I think, an, an entire season when Glenn Close was on there having to do with asset forfeiture. When you catch... Uh, drug dealers, whoever else, you get to keep their stuff, their cars, their cash, their homes, and get to sell it, and the police get the money. Well, this, as you can imagine, this asset forfeiture principle law has been abused horribly, horribly, by a bunch of cops who should know better. And I have to tell you, at one time, I was a fan of asset forfeiture. I'm not anymore because it's gone crazy. It's obviously it's obvious too much power for people to wield. Too much. Now, if this all sounds familiar, with the uh, last couple days ago, maybe Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, Donald Trump was meeting with some law enforcement officials, and there was a sheriff from Texas, and he, they were talking about asset forfeiture and how this cop said it's very important. That we have that and because the reason it's so important is because selling this criminal stuff, part of it at least, goes to the police department. Now you can see already how cops might want to abuse that. Well, in the exchange, this is the exchange where the sheriff said something, yeah, and some politician down there, some state senator in Texas it, uh, once is getting in the way of asset forfeiture. And what did Donald Trump say? Well, we'll who, what's his name? We'll destroy his career. Now, that is the, the blurb that got everybody's attention. Now, I don't know if Donald Trump means that, meant that. Is it a joke? It's, again, one of those statements that you'd hope that a president would never make. But he said it, whether it's a joke or not. I don't know how funny it is. But that's gotten all the attention. But it was James Lilacs, and I, I didn't even realize this. And I'm giving James all the credit in the world. I actually met James on the NR Cruise, National View Cruise, in November 2012, right after Barack Obama got reelected. I was the easily the youngest person on that cruise. Really weird situation. But James Lilac points out, and he, he typed out a transcript of the exchange that went back and forth between Donald Trump and this and this cop. And it's kind of missed. You, you really have to read it to understand what uh, is going on instead of listening to it. It's fairly obvious in that conversation that Donald Trump has no idea what asset forfeiture is. No idea. And you can tell he's kind of fishing around with the questions uh, as he tries to, in his own mind, try to figure – this is like when we were talking about uh, during one of the debates, the, the nuclear uh, defense of the United States. Remember that? And Donald Trump didn't know what that was. I forget what the, the actual statement was, but he didn't know what that was either. But he didn't know what asset forfeiture is. 
And he, he thought it had something to do with the seizure of the drugs and then the cops were using the drugs. Or you Once again, you have to go read the transcript of it and Trish put aside what he says he wants to do to that politician in Texas about destroying his career. Look at the context of the conversation. Take that outrageous statement out of it. And then you'll see that he has no idea what asset forfeiture is. Now, I'm asking you. Can a guy who doesn't know what asset forfeiture is really put together the whole conspiracy that he and Neil, Cons- Neil Gorsuch are working together to make it look like Gorsuch is separating himself from Trump, but he's really not? I'm going to ask you that. Whereas I've known, just a regular guy, I'm 46 years old, I've known what asset forfeiture is since my 20s. I continue to say, now, is it important, absolutely 100% important that the president of the United States know the term of every single thing, every law term? No. No, it's not. But asset forfeiture to me does not sound like an outrageous topic to, to me, and it would be something that I would think that Donald Trump would have run into at least once. Not him personally, like he was affected by it, but anything, I mean, he's the one that's in business. Asset forfeiture, never heard of it, obviously. It's, this is once again, see, this reminds me, here's what it reminds me of my own personal life. Regarding politics, this goes back to – I always tell you about this time in my life when I was surrounded by liberals almost on a daily basis. And a lot of what you hear on this show now comes from those years, putting my thoughts together. And I know it's been a while now. It's been like 15 years. But a lot that I learned back then I use now. And – at least once in a while, I would find myself in a conversation with somebody. And see, I take for granted that people know things. No terms, no topics, no issues. Maybe not as deeply as I do. But when I use a word like asset forfeiture, I would expect an educated adult to know that. Or if they don't, they wouldn't try to fool their way through a conversation. I'd be, well, wait, 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 what's that? Asset forfeiture, what is that? That's when the cops, when they seize uh, a criminal and uh, they can sell his stuff. If it's a drug dealer and he's using a, a car, a BMW, and he's selling out of a house, the, the, the cops can seize the car and sell it and get the money at an auction. They can get the house. They can sell the house. They get a proceeds from it. Maybe the local government gets it too. That's called asset forfeiture. And then, oh yeah, right, right. I've heard of that. Well, back in the day, not regarding asset forfeiture, but other topics, you get into. I'd get into a conversation with somebody thinking they knew something about a topic because it's so obvious. It's in the news or whatever. And then, at some point, you figure out. This person has no idea what I'm talking about. I guess 
maybe a most recent example is when I was talking to my parents about the company Carrier and how Trump you know, uh, blackmailed them, extorted them to stay in the United States. They had no idea about that story. And they watch Fox News every day. I was like, how do you not know that? And this conversation between Donald Trump and this cop reminded me of some of those conversations that I used to have back in the day where I would be in the cop's place explaining, talking about it, using terms. And the person I'm talking to is not it, – it, it, it slowly becomes obvious to me this person has no idea what I'm talking about. They think they're smart. They think they're intelligent. In fact, I ran into this uh, also when I was back in Pennsylvania and listening to a political conversation where somebody I know went on for about 10 minutes about politics and the issues of the world. And then at the end of it said, I never really understood how important the Electoral College was. I never really understood why it existed till now. Now... Does somebody who says something like that is that would that be something you would think would be it sounds like somebody who really really knows politics or is just somebody who just likes to make himself sound smart? <laughs> it's like somebody listening to somebody go on and on about physics, but doesn't know you know. And then at the end of it says, "I never you know, I never really understood what E equals M C squared until recently." And did you know that it was Einstein who came up with that formula? I had no idea. Meanwhile, they just talked about physics for a half hour. This is, I think, who Donald Trump is. Has lots of ideas all over the board. Really has no knowledge, though. Has lots of ideas, but no wisdom. That's the only way I can explain how a grown man, 70 years old, who has been around the world and is allegedly worth billions of dollars, has never heard of asset forfeiture when a cop says it. And it relates, and it relates to catching criminals and selling the criminal stuff. And this is why I continue to tell you all this stuff about how crafty Donald Trump is and how it's, it, it's not. It's just happenstance. It's just circumstances. It's just irony. It's just luck. This goes right for him. That doesn't go right for him. Well, if that thing didn't go right for him, then there must have been something behind it because we know he's just the, the craftiest guy in the world. Well, maybe he's not. Well, he won that election. He wasn't supposed to win. Look how, look how fortunate, look how, look how smart he is. People said he didn't know what he was doing, and he won anyway. Yeah, and he lost by 3 million of the popular vote to a woman who... Uh, most people believe, a majority of people believe, got people killed in Benghazi, was taking money from the Russians, was had a private server that got hacked, has a, a foundation where there was obviously pay to play in the State Department, and she beat Donald Trump by three million of the vote. Yeah, that's how crafty Donald Trump is. <laughs> and I remind you, Donald Trump in all these states where senators were running, the Republican senators were running and won, he ran behind all of them. But he's the craftiest guy in the world, and those senators are all stupid, right? 
it's it's disgusting. I I and I knew it. I knew that conservatism was going to be uh, dirtied because of all this. Because all these conservatives are going to buy into them. I knew it, and it, and it's horrible. It really is horrible. Let's move on to some. So I give it to all the James Lilacs noticing that in that conversation that he had no idea what asset forfeiture is, and he's just going to play along like he knew what it, what it was. But it's amazing, not much of that talk going on out there. Don't know how that's possible. I mentioned Tom Price earlier. He got confirmed 52 to 47. I think the vote that you're missing there, I don't know. Once Jeff Sessions becomes attorney general, he's not allowed to vote anymore. So I think that that's... Uh, why there's a vote missing there. Uh, I think maybe he did vote. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But this is a confirmation a lot of people are portraying is one one more way that Obamacare is in trouble. To that I say maybe. Uh I don't know if one Secretary of Health and Human Services can fight against a Congress that to me sounds like they'd rather retreat and repair instead of repeal and replace. Actually, I just prefer repeal. We don't have to replace it, if anything. We're allowed to just leave a little void there, a little empty space where Obamacare occupies in the government structure. If we take it away, it doesn't mean we have to put something else there. But I don't know how Tom Price is going to fight against the Congress who seems to be getting a little wimpy on this topic. And I also don't know how he's going to fight against the boss, Donald Trump, who appointed him. Or is, is it appoint or nominate? Nominated him. Because a point would infer that no approval has to take place, I think. I have to get my dictionary out. But nominated him. His boss, Donald Trump, as I continue to say, has said that he's not going to let people die in the streets. So the inference is, once again, that doctors and nurses will allow people to die in the streets. I don't think that this is Tom Price's attitude. I'm hoping that Tom Price has an attitude very much like mine that you just have, need to let doctors and nurses do their jobs. Yes, there are some crooked ones out there, but we're not even sure the law can do anything about those people anyway. They just have to eventually get caught one way or the other. But the vast, vast majority getting up into the, the 99.9% range of doctors and nurses want to help patients. They want to help people. They like curing people, healing people. The problem is I'm not sure the president of the United States believes that. He's also expressed interest insurance for everybody, which I don't believe is possible. Economic – well, it is possible. It's just not economically going to work. And then you combine that with, uh, once again, a Congress that – I, I'm not saying that the Donald, that the the executive branch, the Donald Trump and the Congress are on the same page regarding this. 
Uh, instead, I think that Congress uh, it, at this point seems a little wimpy to me. Whereas I don't believe that Donald Trump is a wimp regarding this. I believe that he's just misguided and doesn't know anything. I think Congress does know things. In fact, they probably know too much or think too much. They will start worrying about, well, how are we going to answer if some of these people who have insurance are going to lose their insurance now? Well, well people are losing their insurance anyway. <laughs> they're having to switch plans. They're having to switch doctors. And some of them aren't going to new plans because they're too damn expensive. It's already happening with government involved anyway. So... I see Obamacare being repealed, not being repealed in totality for different reasons. Because of Congress and they're worrying about votes and how they're going to look. And Donald Trump, because he's convinced himself that there does need to be some government thing in place where everybody gets insurance. Now, given all of that, how is one guy heading up the Health and, Serv- Health and Human Services Department going to fix that? Keeping in mind that he's not an independent entity. He works for the president. Once again, this is one of those issues. I hope you don't get your hopes up too high. I hope you don't. Because one guy is going to have a hard time fighting against all of that. Mm. I I want it to be repealed as much as you do. But I'm trying to temper my expectations. I look at this Florida blue plan that I have right now and say, I'm probably going to have this for a while unless the plan gets canceled. And the cost probably next year is going to go up. And I'm just mentally preparing myself for that. If you're thinking that a year from now, two years from now, that there are going to be more plans and they're going to be cheaper and there's going to be more access and everything else – I'm sorry, at this point, I think you're deluding yourself. I don't mean to be a downer here. But right now, I don't see anybody or a group um, being the same people on this and having a backbone and all this. And and really, really, there's not a lot of explanation going on out there, which should also worry you about how this is all going to work. That's, that could be a problem, too. But I got to go. You can email me, edwarddensel at reagan.com. Follow me on Twitter, USA Podcast. You can find the show Monday through Friday, 11 or 9 p.m. Eastern, on the Prime Channel and Red State Talk Radio. Find the show also at Potomatic and iTunes. New episode of my Missing Persons program, Unfound, coming out today. Look for it. Uh, it's about the man who draws dead people. And you find it on Potomatic and iTunes. And that's about it. I hope you have a beautiful weekend. You've been listening to America's Conservative Podcast.